Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, just as a quick uh, content warning at the top of the episode, uh, we do some discussions of depression and uh, a lot of talk about existentialism and existential dread. Uh, so if you're not comfortable with that kind of thing, uh, just a, a heads up that these are some topics we discuss in the episode. Uh, but if you're okay with that kind of thing, I uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's installment of Call a Save Point, but not for me. I am your 9S scanning model unit, Declan Verbencourt. Fuck, I was going to take 9S, because I thought you were going to want to be like 2B. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. I am not capable of naming another male character in this game. Uh, I guess I'm 2B. <laughs> I'm your All right. I'm your co-host to be. Your your number two, whichever one that is. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about Near Automata, um, a weird game, a depressing game, but a game. Uh, so, really, let's just start this out like every other episode, I suppose. What is your background with the game? So, I don't have much of a background with this game. Um, I played it briefly in the six-month period I lived in Washington in 2020, and I didn't get any further than the amusement park section, I believe, like the very first amusement park section. So, mm. that's about that's about all of my prior experience with this game is. Well, me and this game have had a very rocky relationship. Um, around when it came out, uh, one of my um, close friends, Destin from over at the uh, Synchronicity podcast, go check it out if you feel like it, um, had brought it up to my attention that I should play this game. And um, when when I did play it, I only did the first ending and a half, and I was like, okay, well, you know, this is fine, or whatever, and then I stopped. I, I, knowing full well that there was other endings, I just thought it was all the same shit, so I was like, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not gonna um, continue with this, and despite uh, everyone's disdain in the fact that I did not finish it I you know held my ground I was like no this is stupid <laughs> so uh yeah and for whatever reason um three weeks ago I decided I wanted to play it so here we are <laughs> all right um, but yeah so cracking right into it this uh this game is the combat the gameplay in general I believe is a uh, platinum games and uh, they have done a lot of games that i like um in the past so um obviously i'm gonna like the gameplay and the 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 fights because you know they they did like double may cry they did uh bayonetta um I'm trying to think of another one there's they definitely really another do one what devil may cry and bayonetta yeah like their their fighting systems always super hmm. good I did not know that. Um, it makes a lot of sense, though, actually, now that I think about it, because it definitely does have that, like, hack-and-slash element to it. Damn, they did Astral Chain, too? 
Mm-hmm. They did Metal Gear Rising Revengeance? Yeah, that's the other one I was going to think of. That's they like did one of my Vanquish? favorite games of all time. That game kicks ass. Dude, Platinum Games have done a lot of like Holy hack and shit. slashy stuff. It's so good. They're like the gold standard when it comes to that. I did not realize that the studio was so out there. Yeah. Damn. And, um... Yeah, so th- th- that was one of the, the main reasons why a lot of people were like, what the hell, Declan, why aren't you going to play this game? Fin- finish it. Like, you should like it, because at first I was kind of just like, it. But they were like, yeah, you, sh- you should like it. I mean, like, it's it's like your favorite developer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed the combat, and that was pretty much, you know, meant to be. I don't know about you, though. What do you think? I mean... I don't necessarily have any gripes against the combat. I think it definitely is very... It's very, like, fluid. It's mm. not often you get JRPGs that are, like, have such a action RPG-style combat system. Um, so it's it's kind of refreshing to to see one, because, like I said, they don't, they don't happen very often. Usually a lot of JRPGs are turn-based stuff. But I really like how... Um, the different characters you play as through the game, like, the combat for them isn't always necessarily, like, aggressively different, but it, they, like, mm. they add and tweak certain things about each character that make them feel, like, just unique enough to be interesting as the game goes on, and that I really appreciated. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, it wasn't so different as it was, um, you know, s- seamless, like, because uh towards well i don't want to say anything um well how about how about we just do this let's just put a blanket spoiler on the whole episode because i have a lot i want to say about the story of this game and i don't know that i could really get my entire opinion across without spoiling the game so we will be spoiling near automata if you don't want it spoiled turn off the episode go play it and then come back to this one it is still fairly new, 2017. So, um, yeah, I did you... not realize this game came out in 2017. I thought it came out a lot sooner. This game is not that old. <laughs> well, I mean, we're old, so it <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> uh, um... You don't have to remind me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there are points in the game where um, you swap between two characters, and then um, it gets more and more aggressive the swapping as it goes on, but. Mm-hmm. At that point, it doesn't even seem like that bad because they're not so different, you know. Mm-mm. So, yeah. Um, moving forward, though, um, I'm really interested to know who, or not who, more like where was your favorite location? My favorite location. Hmm. If we're talking like combat areas, probably the theme park. I think it's just so. It's so unique compared to everything else in the game because it is, like, um, it sort of resembles more of a man-made structure than the rest of the game does, mainly because it's mm-hmm. it sort of feels like the only area that's not, like, super dilapidated. And, you know, mm-hmm. the thing that I found particularly interesting is, like, you know, an amusement park is supposed to be, like, bright and colorful, but uh, in spite of that, the game still kind of portrays the fact that, like, this is a like a theme park that basically hasn't been touched in 500 years by humans 
Uh, mm. So I really like that area. But if we're talking in general, I would probably say Pascal's Village. But that's just because I like the uh, the sound the 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 track in that game in that area so much. Mm. I really like the the music for that area. Nice. I'd have to say, um, I really like the uh, forest area mm-hmm. a lot. The the forest zone. Um, it's kind of like feudal. Like they all went, all the the machines went back in time. <laughs> yeah, and because uh, it's just like a massive castle over there, and then a surrounding forest, and I think that's really cool. And uh, I guess another area would be the uh, the factory was pretty cool, but you know, I I like that more for the um, become as gods track later. Mm-hmm. So I, you know. That's, all that's of the machines, the... all of the machines in the forest area remind me of like old school Lego medieval minifigures. Yeah, yeah, because they have that same like, because <laughs> like the they like especially later in the game they paint like chainmail onto their bodies and it looks almost mm-hmm. identical to those like really like the really old school Lego minifigures. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, they look like Duplos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that that is a, a nice touch, and I I also do that. That brings up another point. I do like how diverse the machine life forms look in every area. Mm-hmm. Like they really try to diversify themselves. So, speaking of machine life forms, uh, how how did you feel about them kind of uh, having emotions somewhat? <laughs> it. <clears throat> I I I don't want to say I took issue with it, but I feel like the game maybe it it was sort of hard to like not come to grips with the fact, but like like connect the dots kind of because you know, the whole game like there are multiple times where the game portrays like, oh, these machines have evolved to have emotions, and they've they've grown beyond the fact that they're, like, their their whole mission is just to destroy the humans, and. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, the, the disconnect between the actual physical machine life forms that you interact with throughout the game, and the like the sort of like the sort of macro idea of what the machine life forms are there's such a large disconnect between the two in the sense that mm-hmm. you know especially towards the end of the game when all of a sudden you're talking to this like you know like the like the network itself is basically what you're talking to like mm-hmm. that i would say does a pretty good idea of portraying like the the advanced evolution these machine life forms have gone through but in the same breath it has you fighting these like you know like hunky dunky like piece of shit tin can robots that like (laughs) are like they're really stiff and have like they don't portray them as having any emotion they it just sort of feels like they've been fighting you for the same reason throughout the entire game no matter what like like character development that the game wants you to understand that they're going through so that I didn't necessarily that necessarily uh, that aspect of the game did not 
click with me as much as I think the game would have liked it to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I mean, there are, there are little things like uh, the start of um, 9S's playthrough. You uh, control a small machine life form trying to <laughs> revive its brother. By dumping and I oil think that's onto a little it. different. What? By dumping oil onto it. Yeah, and then Ninus is like idiot and runs away. <laughs> um, I mean, like they, they they do small things like that scattered around um, to kind of try and convey that. But um, I do kind of agree there isn't like any big changes that would like result in some kind of like revelation. Like holy shit, like there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So I mm-hmm. I kind of agree there. So. I mean, I'm uh, in asking all these questions. I'm kind of beating around the the bush here because you know <laughs> um, it's kind of like a big. Uh, it, it it might be a long topic here talking about the story. Um, so before we get into that, who's your favorite character? Ooh, my favorite character. Hmm. I really liked Pascal. I think. Pascal was sort of the perfect representation of what the game was trying to convey in that these machines have evolved past wanting to just kill mm-hmm. humans. I think if the game has, like, Pascal is probably the game's best conveyance outside of, like, the macro idea of the machine life forms. Like, if you really look at it and you're looking for other pieces of evidence where, like, these machines have become more than themselves. Pascal is probably the perfect indication of that, and I just, I really like his little character arc, despite how sad it turns out being. Yeah. That's basically saying, how'd you feel about when the, uh, the kids came into themselves? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was grim. Yeah. I liked A2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's kind of just badass and Emil's cool if you actually interact with him outside of like one time at the shop but yeah I understand that <laughs> um, I mean there's there's a lot of cool characters Devil and Popola were interesting but that's all like story stuff so we might as well rip off that band-aid huh what did you think about the story <laughs> Oh, man. So, in the beginning of the game, like, the game comes out pretty strong as far as, like, conveying what it's about. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, like, the first point in the game where you really hit it home as to, like, what this game, uh, what the grander message of this game is about is probably when you discover that the aliens that invaded Earth with these machines have been dead for hundreds of years um Mm -hmm. that's probably like the first indication of what like the macro message of this game is going to be and as the game goes on it just it really hammers it home uh which i mean for better or for worse i would say for worse in the sense like this is not a game you want to play if you're if you're currently going through a depressive episode because boy is the Mm -hmm. message of this game just like it really hammers it home that like stuff is not worth fighting for no matter how hard you try um Mm -hmm. but for better i would say because like 
throughout the entire game, I think what this game does so well is that no matter how much it just wants to hammer home, like you are literally fighting for no reason at this point, the characters just keep going, but without saying it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. through through the gameplay and through the actions of A2 and 2B and 9S, like despite all of the, the revelations they learn, whether it's that the aliens have been dead for hundreds of years or that humans went extinct before project yorho is even officially started like mm-hmm. all of these different things that these characters learn throughout the game like no like in spite of the fact that like basically they've been told that the mission they've been fighting for for their entire lives means nothing they still keep going because they they feel like they have the motivation to to keep going even if maybe that motivation is like even if like the player happens to miss whatever that motivation is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're still going despite it all, and you you won't need to know the clear cut answers to understand why they're still going. Is that exactly. kind of what you're trying to say? Yeah. yeah. Like you're almost that's not what, supposed to. You're almost not supposed to know what like the explicit purpose of these characters is all you need to know is that whatever they are fighting for they still feel strong enough about it to keep going even if maybe that motivation isn't necessarily like healthy or positive Mm. in some way like like in spite of everything they have a reason to keep going and that's all that matters yeah like 9s really goes through it first he's fighting because you know uh project yorha and then he finds out that all the humans are dead, and so he just latches onto the nearest thing, which is 2B, fights for her. She fucking beefs it. <laughs> he's he's freaking out. He sees A2 killing her, despite not knowing why, and decides he's going to kill everything because he can't have one thing. And uh, I think I think that is... Uh, a great um what's what's working for like it's it's like showing exactly what it is he's he's desperately trying to find something to fight for because otherwise it's over for for him and for whoever else is like surrounding him if if he gives up then then that's it you know Mm -hmm. so he's desperately like clawing to find something to uh to be able to fight for to find the motivation and uh his whole like psyche degrades it's 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 great it's it's a it's a it's cool to see the transition i think mm-hmm. Nessa's story in general is truly like like a very it's a very shakespearean tragedy just because you know he goes through all of this like horrible turmoil and loss i mean he essentially loses the entire organization he's been fighting for and then loses the one he loves the most and then Mm -hmm. like essentially the whole latter quarter of the game is just him like his only motivation is just to keep going because all all he wants to do is to just he just wants to wipe out all the machines and you Mm -hmm. know despite in spite of everything that he's learned like the fact that the machines are like they are they are learning and growing and despite him in the beginning of the game being the one to advocate for like maybe giving the machines a second chance especially machines like pascal and 
you know, in spite of all of these things that he learns, he still, for whatever reason, just, he, he has no other purpose. So this, he just reverts to like this primal programming that he has of, oh, I was programmed to wipe out the machines. I guess I don't, I have no other option at this point. And he just, he mm -hmm. leans into it so much that it pushes him over the edge. And it's truly like, it's kind of heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, and if, if at first it's kind of like cringe, and then like more towards the end when you see that like it's it's been really tough. It's it, it's not just like him lashing out. It's 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 his only option, you know, mm -hmm. to like go through this kind of stuff. It kind of hammers home that um, that like feeling, you know, like of absolute dread. Like you you get that secondhand feeling from him. Mm-hmm. Which uh is not a great feeling, but in this case I, I, I'm just gonna put it uh plainly right now. For someone like me, this game is tough. This game is uh not great to play uh when you have like a mindset like mine. And I'm sure a lot of people out there um who have or haven't played this game um share that same kind of mindset a lot of people do and uh it's it's not exactly for the faint of heart you have to be able to understand what the game's conveying without getting getting lost in it yourself so i i might have been sitting at at my desk at, directly after playing this pondering the um the uh, existential dread and uh reason of life and what am i fighting for um but you can turn that into a positive note through this game if you uh if you look at it in other ways which is why i think there are so many references yoko taro really put a ton of like philosophy references in this game um and i, I think it's kind of like trying to like deal you the worst deck of cards imaginable but like telling you to look at it in a different light if you if you catch my drift if you know what i mean yeah for sure i think this the strong suit of this game and what it like what it asks the player to think about isn't so much that you know kind of like you were saying like it's really easy if you think about it in just the right way to dig yourself into a pit and take away from this game like no matter what i do nothing is worth fighting for and you know everything like no matter what my reasons are they're not they're never good enough because the world will just hammer in that whatever reasons i have mean nothing but mm -hmm. i think what the game does a good job of conveying if you read it in just the right way is this idea of like whatever whatever the meaning of life that everyone wants to search for is or whatever whatever reason you give yourself to keep living or keep fighting and keep going it it never it's never like a concrete answer this idea of the meaning of life or like whatever whoever's individual person to keep living is is sort of an abstract idea and mm -hmm. the the human mind's ability to use that abstract idea and consider the fact that you may not have a concrete answer to keep 
pushing forward and keep being who you are as a person is almost a like a strength of some sort of like humanity's ability to progress through both through life and through history in a very strange way and Mm -hmm. it's very I'm kind of like blown away by the fact that this game was able to convey a message in this way because it's not often you get a game like this where you know it really makes you think about some of the most abstract concepts in like in this like the weird crazy world that we live in right like how many games can you Mm -hmm. think of where you take like you and like the game ends and now it's got you sitting there thinking about like why why do i exist why does humanity exist what is the meaning of this life that we live you know it's not often exactly yeah it's a it's an extremely well done narrative it's if nothing else this game has like a masterpiece of a story Mm-hmm. that can convey tiny things in or no can convey massive things is what I'm trying to say in small bits of dialogue and like even if you read like one or two of the uh the artifacts you find within the game like it it might be like a paragraph but it it speaks so much to like the entire like scope of the universe this game is in and um all the philosophical like um angles you can look at things it's it's insane Mm -hmm. it's almost sort Mm -hmm. of perfect that literally the last week's episode was about like philosophy and morality in games because this is like (laughs) it's almost like the perfect follow-up to it yeah it was a (laughs) <laughs> it's it's kind of perfect. I did not try for this. But, <laughs> but like I mean, if if we're looking at an example here though for like what this game does, period. Um like Pascal, right? Um wants to be a pacifist, has his village um, filled with people who are unarmed, but in order to make it so they don't run into battle, teaches them fear, and that ends up bringing it around to they're fighting them off, and we come back and they've all killed themselves because they're scared of the consequences of um, whatever's to come from uh, the machine life forms that don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I guess like the message is like fear mongering is a huge like weapon almost you know like it 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 won't always work out it listen we're we're looking at like a hundred sided dice here yeah (laughs) so if if we don't get anything right on the nose my bad but you know (laughs) like it's just it's how we interpret it and i think that's like the whole that that's philosophy in general Mm -hmm. i think for me like my takeaway of that section of the game is you know it's it's maybe it's less about this idea of fear-mongering because that wasn't necessarily at least in my opinion that wasn't pascal's like motive for teaching these these robots fear i think right the idea of teaching teaching a a child the concept of fear is 
you know, it, it has its its positives and its negatives because it's such a, a thin line to ride. I think, you know, this idea of like a, a healthy amount of fear is it's never like concrete as to what that would be. And I think what the game tries to convey here is like the the it's not the fact that pascal taught these children the concept of fear it's that these children's first like representation of what it is to truly feel fear is the fact that it's coming from beings who look like them right and mm-hmm. i think that's it's it's almost perfect because it's like essentially a direct parallel to like the state of the world we live in now right like you mm. know humanity is constantly at, at war with itself and you know it's it's always us versus the other you know and i think mm-hmm. there are there are people out there who use the idea of fear to convey sort of an abstract like there are just things in the world you need to be afraid of and sometimes those things are people and I think, especially considering the fact that the, the the machine life forms in the game who ended up taking their own lives happened to be children, it was like they almost couldn't understand the fact that what they were taught to fear was themselves. And I think that is, I think that is truly what maybe not the game was trying to convey, but at least my takeaway from it was that, you know, this idea of fear can be so close to home that it's almost too much to handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all, like, crazy heavy stuff. It's, uh... And, and this game is, like, loaded with this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, like, stuff to think about. And it's 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 hard to talk about if I'm being real honest. Cause I don't, it's, it's like, there are so many ways to conceive like these ideas that it's, it's just difficult to like convey anything really. Mm-hmm. I think one of, one of the strengths about this game is that it does not, it doesn't ask you to ponder a happy ending because this game definitely does not have one <laughs> i think yeah. like almost all of the endings of this game are incredibly grim mm-hmm. but i think like if the how do i put this the fact that the game doesn't ask you to ponder a happy ending i think is almost a strength of it because i think if we had gotten a happy ending at the end of the game like sure it would have been satisfying but maybe you wouldn't be sitting here asking yourself the questions that you are right you know, mm-hmm. if if the ending of the game was like, oh, well, in spite of the fact that this game has basically the entire time been asking you to question, like, what do you live for? Everything's just kind of worked out in the end. I think had that been the case, it definitely would not have the impact on people that it does. I think the fact that, you know, this game really does hammer in the fact that not everything turns out well in the end and i think the fact that this whole game is just layered with like layers of layers of like tragedy and sadness i think that really makes you that's really what makes you think about like 
if everything in the world around me truly is as negative as this game tries to push, I think that's really what makes you realize the the positive spin that this game is asking you to to come to the realization of. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It definitely uh, knew what it was doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. Also, um, I'm I'm curious to know. I I, th- I think I brought this up to you before, but I had this thing where, um, after doing A and B and then doing C, it almost seems like A and B are insignificant a little bit and like like C has all of the meat and all like all of the questions are asked there rather than in A and B and it's kind of like a facade almost mm-hmm. but that's just my opinion um did, did you kind of feel that way or not really at at first I did I think you know especially having come from this being my like first real playthrough A feels mm-hmm. like it does sort of feel substantial because it I think it's the first instance of conveying that these machine life forms are more than we've been led to believe um, mm-hmm. you know I think the game does that really well with Adam and Eve uh, you know being born into the world and then basically the moment they come out they have, like for whatever reason all of a sudden start to imitate like the the emotions and ideologies that humanity once had. Um, but then, like, once I got to 9S's story, uh, you know, through that playthrough, I was very, like, put off from the game. I almost didn't finish it because I thought, I thought, personally, I found it really annoying that I was basically being asked to play the same, like, 10-hour gameplay that I literally just finished. But... Mm-hmm once you sort of get to the C, D, and E endings, you realize the purpose of those A and B endings isn't necessarily to, like, pad out the game. It's more so to circumvent what the idea of this game truly is. Because, you know, while the endings of A and B makes you feel like, oh, maybe this is about, like, this is about the end of the war. What it really possibly could be about is you know getting you attached to 2b as a character by playing through her as the first uh as the first ending but then it switches to 9s because what the game might be trying to convey is that he is the real main character and now you are trying to understand what his motivation is with you know the the war and protecting 2b and then through the later half of the game, the reason you are able to, you know, like, be affected by 2B's death and 9S's, like, basic, basically a spiral into insanity is because you were able to play the same gameplay back-to-back just with different characters. Yeah. That also um, might be, like, the A and, and B stories might be a testament to, like, like the ongoing struggle you know like if you want to get to the uh the latter half you need to be able to have the uh the will and like the the power to to get through what you just did mm-hmm. <laughs> to to get to the uh the the next 
part of the story, you know. Yeah, that could also for sure. Be it. But I, I I do also agree with you with uh like connecting with the characters, but I don't know. I just like when I think about near, I hardly think about A and B, and I usually only think about C at this mm. point. It's it's weird. I think that might it, possibly be the point though, because it's almost like it's sort of like um i know undertale kind of does this in a way where like you know the beginning of the game feels very much so just like any standard rpg but as the game goes on you start to realize that the purpose of like the early hours of the game wasn't to you know like obviously the like the opening hours of the game is sort of there to both circumvent your expectations in mm-hmm. you know portraying like a game that seems much simpler than it really is but at the same time using the fact that the opening hours of the game are simple to give you the opportunity to connect with the characters you're working with or understand the world and maybe not get you thinking at such a like aggressive level but you know, keeping you on your toes just enough to where going into the C, D, and E endings, you're still, like, you're not, like, completely blindsided by the overall aggressive nature of the message of this game, but you also, at the same time, are able to be, like, kind of taken aback by the feelings this game hits you with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know whatever was happening behind the scenes it, it, it's got a masterpiece a mastermind behind it mm-hmm. Yoko Taro's pretty sweet I guess read some interviews on him but um you, you know how we were kind of clowning on 9S um early in Sea Root where um he kind of just got uh 2B out of the, the virus state yeah <laughs> Um, I I think that there might be like it it might be a greater um, message that like 9S only cares about 2P at this point and thinks that everything else is kind of significant his brain is already going that way mm-hmm. and uh, it just further it furthers when she uh, you know game ends <laughs> yeah for sure so I mean that that got me thinking about that. Maybe it's not like a a plot hole, but it's like a deliberate thing where we're it's supposed to get us to think about it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like like learning that this is gonna sound stupid, but learning that humanity has been dead the entire time is sort of Nine S's Joker moment. <laughs> we live in a society. Yeah, exactly. Because like. You know, after that point in the game, kind of like you were saying earlier in the episode, like after that point in the game, 2B becomes his only motivation. And then 2B dies and is not o- not only dies, but is killed by another android. Like mm. that is truly the point where 9S loses all of his sort of like, I, I imagine what he views as his like true and only motivation to keep going in the mm. world. And... 
after that point, now that he's lost his literal only anchor in the world and the only thing that keeps him going, that is truly the point where he starts to like spiral into his descent into just this this truly dark place. Yeah. And then it's got to be hard for the guy because later he even finds out that the 2B or should I say 2E models were built to kill him specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is even more sad. Yeah, like the only anchor in his in in his world is truly like like a like a lie of some sort. It I mm-hmm. mean, at that point I think his only motivation isn't to kill all the machines, it's to get himself killed because at, at that yeah. point like I imagine he feels like how do you how do you even go on at that point like not only is one of the biggest aspects of your life a lie basically all of it is a lie yeah i mean shit if you were in that situation i'd be fucking i don't know if i'd have the willpower to keep going yeah like it was very easy to clown on 9s in the beginning because he was just so it was very like stereotypically edgy and moody for like anime but yeah as the game kind of goes on you start to understand like the limits he's pushing himself to or because he feels like he has no other choice like he he definitely states throughout the latter half of the game that his like his intention is to wipe out the machine life forms but i think his true motivation is to get himself killed because he doesn't he truly doesn't see a purpose of living anymore but at the same time he can't bring himself to just like up and kill himself he has to have something do it for him yeah how do you uh i mean i kind of was like right next to you when this happened (laughs) um when uh they're in the tower and ninas rips off a 2b model's arm and puts it on his own (laughs) it's fucking wild shit yeah but i think it's it's almost sort of perfect because it's like it's almost a perfect representation of just how how much he wants to be close to 2B, that he's willing to dismember a 2B model just to, like, be close to one. And then it's, it's like, almost exactly perfect symbolism that, you know, A2, who throughout the game has been commented to look almost exactly like 2B, is the one to mm-hmm. once again sever that piece of his body from him, the, the 2B arm that he removes. And... Yeah. You know, if you pick the right ending, the one to kill him is A2, who now has the memories of 2B, who, like you said earlier, is has the mission of killing 9S. And then there's, like, all that symbolism with 9S and his memories killing 2B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, like, him almost being happy that he gets to kill a bunch of 2B models in the tower. Mm-hmm. And I... I <laughs> it's it's just it's so much like it's it's a lot (laughs) yeah that they they really hammer that in (laughs) the d ending is where it gets like really really like not heavy-handed but the amount that they just throw every possible thing at 9s is and the fact that he still manages to keep going is so it's very distressing in a way because you know any other person would have given up at that point but he in spite of the fact that like not only are the machines like basically mocking him at this point but they're pushing like some of the most sensitive buttons they possibly could be is just so i mean it's grim 
Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's yeah. all I can. After all that, man, that's all I can really say. It was. It was a lot. Like the the night I finished that was probably the most existential dread I've had in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, it. This is definitely one of those games where you kind of sit like you sit in your chair for half an hour and you just kind of stare off into the middle distance and really think about what you just went through because it it's really like it's really aggressive with just how much like the amount of existential dread that this game tries to give you is very heavy mm-hmm. and then there's the uh the e ending where um you shoot the credits and uh someone who's beat the game not too long ago um comes in and saves you and then you give up your own file to save someone else mm-hmm. which i think is really cool yeah but, it's like yeah. the perfect sort of send-off to like and the game keeps even that even the game then starts to hammer it in like you know you literally do not benefit from the fact that you are about to wipe your save file just to like introduce a cool little game mechanic to someone else. Are you sure you want to do this? And you know, if you pick the right options, you're like, yeah, I, I, I guess I want to do this, you know, like helping mm-hmm. someone out seems nice. And I think that's sort of like almost the culmination of the fact that this game the entire time has been portraying, like the decision you were about to make makes zero sense because you have, you benefit from this. Not at all but you're still going to keep going and you're just like, yeah, I, I guess so. Why not? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like little at a, a loss for words, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to the end, it's just like a, an overload, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. The music very good. I, I enjoyed music. It's a slap for me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... I definitely had the thought throughout the game, like, there are pieces of Japanese media, whether it's, like, video games or anime, specifically, where, like, the soundtracks always have, like, a very specific feel to them. Like, they're very string instrument heavy, and they all I don't want to say they sound the same but they all kind of have like the same tune to them I've noticed but mm-hmm. near near soundtrack is very unique it's very like percussion heavy and like there's a lot of vocals to it even though none of those vocals are in English I believe they're all in like the in-game language of angelic or whatever but I don't know mm-hmm. I I really liked it I definitely would say that's a slap sweet I totally agree I mean, you know, the amusement park's a good, a good, uh, soundtrack, Grandma Destruction. There's like, I, I mean, obviously I advocate for, uh, the, the tracks a lot more cause I, I actually like listen to them without playing a lot, but, um, I, I don't expect you to name off the, the tracks. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the name of a single track. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but uh, all in all, what you, what would you say you rate this game? What would I rate it? Fuck. Yeah. Um, I would say I would give it 
like a nine out of ten. Yeah, I I definitely agree. That's where I was gonna put that nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, super good, amazing, amazing story. The gameplay's fun. Um, yeah. Declan, <laughs> I mean... Can I ask you a question? Sure. Are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed throughout the episode you just get more and more sad and I'm like is he okay? As talking about this game made him sad. Yeah, I mean, well he, he, here's the deal. I I mean, both of us have like pre like like we aren't exactly the happiest people. <laughs> That's true. Um but like the more I think about it, the more like things seem pointless. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really but, uh, easy, I mean, especially with this game, to fall into that rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going anywhere, but <laughs> yeah, for it's, sure, it's like dark. Yeah, this is definitely the kind of game that'll fuck you up for a while if you get if you get into the right mindset. Yeah. So that's our, our, our warning. Um, if if you don't feel um, like you can handle very depressing topics at the moment, I would not play it quite yet until you are in a better state of mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think it's very beneficial, the questions that they ask, um, to experience this, whether it's from this game or in some other form of uh philosophical media mm-hmm. but you know that's how it is that's life so yep but uh yeah that's the episode that's all i want to talk about uh is there anything you'd like to speak on on near yet or uh no i think i think everything that i wanted to say has been said the only other thing i think i i wanted to talk about was uh Yoko Taro says that he's excited for um, the means in which gaming is uh, going. Um, he said that um, he he enjoys the boundary in which video games are, and he thinks that uh, the definition of video game can be twisted in any way. So if, like, you you added some form of uh gameplay to an atm that's a video game right so um i think that's that's a really cool thought is like where it's going you know like will will gas station pumps have some kind of user input in there and will it be considered an art form like video games and who is going to make these things you know Mm -hmm. it's a cool thought but it's also worrying. <laughs> <laughs> Everything will be turned into a video game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Um, so if you want to go ahead with our plans for the next couple of weeks. All right. So here's the deal, folks. We are coming up on the, the holiday weekend. Um, as of... When this episode will go up, uh, you know, literally next week will be the, uh, like, 
or this this upcoming weekend is Christmas weekend. So, mm-hmm. and then literally the week after that is New Year's. So what we're gonna do? We are going to do another long play. Um, so let's see. So it would be two weeks from now. So the third would be our regular upload. Uh, but we will not be uploading another episode until the 17th, it looks like. So we're going to take a month off. Um, you will still get a... I think it's fair to say you'll still get a quick save in January, but it'll be later in the month. So yeah. this is... I think we're going to aim for like the middle of January. Yeah, so it looks like this or is later the last... End, actually. This is the last episode you'll get of this year, and the next episode will go up on the 17th. Um, so we'll, I, Declan and I will probably discuss when that, uh, the quick save will go up, um, later. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure that out later. Uh, but yeah, so that's the plan. We're doing a long play this time. Yeah. So I'm, I have been anxiously waiting for the past three weeks since we did that flip around. Um, and I'm, just just gonna slide this in there i'm really glad that we did push it off because mm-hmm. um there, there was no way either of us would have finished i was consumed in uh um side quests and i got very far behind <laughs> yeah but you know um but um yeah i mean Tully brought up the idea of a, a long play um i think like two weeks ago and i've been very excited to hear what this game is going to be so um take it away all right so here's the deal, Declan. It is yeah. not one game. It is many games. Um, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. As uh, some of you may know, in the last episode, I happened to mention a, a game. And that game has given me, like, the, the like, uh, the very stereotypical hyperfixation on this series of games. So, okay. Declan, we okay. are going to be playing Halo Chi- Halo the Master Chief Collection. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm less excited. That's okay. What? That's good. <laughs> what do you mean you're less excited? So, are are we going to are, are they mo- are we gonna play like some some of the multiplayer and then the, um, what's it by like the campaigns? Fires well, out? I would like to do. I was thinking we could do co-op campaign. I would like to at least for the show play through the first three Halo games, and then if we can get through mm-hmm. some of the other ones, I would like to do that as well. But the ones I'm primarily focused on is the original Halo trilogy. Okay. I would really like to play through Reach, but I don't necessarily know how much time we'll have for that. But at least for sure, the first three Halo games. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we can do that. Sweet. Awesome. I am, uh... Usually this is the part where I say I'm excited, but... (laughs) Wow. No, no, no. It'll be fun. Cool. So, um, I guess this is the part where we, uh our stuff um, if you'd like to send in a recommendation or a uh, question we haven't got one in a long time I'm really fiending for some I want to read through some of your stuff um, send us a philosophical question where I can ponder life for a while and cry um, that'd be cool that'll be at 
call us save point podcast at gmail.com um give us a follow on twitter that is at call us save point and uh yeah um i mentioned another podcast earlier in this uh episode i'm not sure if they are still actively releasing episodes but it'd be cool to check out synchronicity um but yeah, that is uh, that is it for me. Yeah, that's that's all I've got. Cool. Um, well then, see you in a, in a month or so. <laughs> <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye bye.